Welcome to Expert Gold Radio, which shows you how to leverage your leadership. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira, for this month's show. Welcome to Expert Gold Radio for July 2014, and Happy New Year. Well, here in Australia at least, it's the start of a new financial year. And for everybody, it's the middle of 2014 and it's a pretty good time to review your goals and plans for the year so far and check your progress. So you can certainly celebrate what you've achieved already, but also know the gap between where you are and where you'd like to be by the end of the year. Now, this month's episode is all about your website. It might seem that websites are such old technology now that we've got blogging and YouTube and social media and mobile apps and all that other, well, you know, all that other more sexy stuff. But in fact, this has made your website even more important than ever before. Because even if people find you somewhere else, they'll come to your website before deciding to do business with you. So this month, it's all about how to get more value from your website. So we start with an interview that I did with marketing and brand guru, Michael Nalon, for his Brand Stand radio show. And I've worked with Michael to build his website and online platform, and he wanted to share some of the ideas and strategies that we put into place because they apply to other people as well. So let's join that conversation now. Gihan's been a really big influence in the way that I've operated the online portion of our business over the past couple of years. And if you want to deliver your ideas, your products, your services to more people for more impact and more money, Gihan can show you how. So welcome, Gihan. Thanks, Michael. I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you. It's it's a pleasure to have you here. Gihan, one of the things that I have really found valuable about working together is that you, you create a, a great sense of trust and I trust working with you and I think that that, especially now in, in the age of a lot more of our business being held online, that trust is a really vital factor when it comes to having someone work on your online presence and help you as a business create your online reputation. So for me, that's been really valuable in, in the way that we've worked together. And another thing that I've, I've also found really valuable is that you make what is often the complicated very simple. And I have no doubt that uh, we'll be doing more of that today for the listeners. Yeah, great. Thanks. That's an interesting way to lead off, Michael, because I think both of those things, trust and make the complicated simple, are thinking about the other person. So thinking about the, your customer or client. And uh, I'm really pleased that you say that I'm doing that because I think that's one of the keys to success, that you really have to think about the person sitting on the other end of the computer screen. And trust is pretty low online. It's increasing, but it's pretty low. Yes. And answering questions and solving problems is also pretty low. Most most websites, most online platforms are all about telling telling you how great I am rather than, hey, do you have a problem that I can help you with? Mm, absolutely. It's funny, I've just been doing a website review for a client today and uh, one of the things that I found that, it, that there's some great copy that is there, some great copywriting, but one thing that's uh, really... Uh, lacking is that that emphasis on the reader of the person on the other side of the screen and what's in it for them, what they can take away, the solutions they can expect and also the the fears that can be overcome and recognising that those fears are there and that we can help overcome them. Even taking out a lot of the we language and just even using the words you and your uh, put us more into the mind of the reader 
the person on the other end of the screen and, and the value that we can provide for them. Yeah, I agree with that, Michael. And I think lots of website owners feel that they have to be a bit more formal and they, they feel that they have to write it in a, in the way that you would write as opposed to the way that you would speak. And I think as a general rule, if you make your website copy a little bit more conversational, for most websites, that will make a huge difference. It will make a huge positive difference. Excellent. Great. Thank you. Um, so what three things do you think that we could all be doing more of with our sites, apart from what we've already mentioned? Okay, so I reckon if you're thinking about, like if you're talking about broad principles, I reckon there are three things broadly that we should be looking at. And this is actually about business in general, Michael, even though we're talking about internet and websites. In general, I think businesses change in these three ways. So become an authority. So rather than just being a pushy salesperson, be an authority. Great. The, the second thing is build a community rather than just looking for individual customers and clients because success now is about community. It's not just about customers, but it's about your suppliers, your joint venture partners, even advertisers. There, there are a number of people in your community. And the third thing comes back to the selling, the selling piece is selling with respect. So rather than just pushing products and services, actually respect your customer and your client and look at what their real needs are, build connections with them, and you just can't online be, be a pushy salesperson. You can't have somebody walk into your dealership or you drive them around if you're a real estate agent and they're in your car. They're not a captive audience anymore. You, you really have to sell with respect. And the ones who do are the ones who are going to be successful. So I guess it's pretty broad. I don't know whether you're looking for anything more specific, Michael, but uh, as a broad rule, I'd mm. say be an authority, build a community, sell with respect. I think they're great principles that we can uh, adapt to all of our our, our websites. It's especially to to uh, especially with the the sales letters. I mean, I've and this is one thing I've really learned from you is to treat each web page as a sales letter. But what I've noticed is that it's very conversational. It's very results oriented. It's very respectful in the selling. It's very much about the benefits that uh, the the reader receives and also creating relationships so that uh, someone might get halfway down a page and say, this isn't for me, then you've actually really qualified your customer very well. Uh, you, you know if, if it's a good fit before them wasting any more of their time and also you perhaps not trying to deliver something to someone that you, you can't. When we can't be all things to all people, can we? That's right. And I, I think that's a really important point, Michael, that it's very tempting to say, wow, I'm on the internet, which means that I've exposed my business and my, my products and services to a billion people and increasing. And yet, that's the worst sort of marketing you can do. The, the best sort of marketing is to say, look, I'm going to aim at a particular niche market because I can really serve their needs and I can talk their language and talk about their problems and then talk about my solutions to their problems rather than if you're going to aim for the masses, then you just, you just can't identify every possible problem you could solve. You can't, um, your, your message becomes so diluted hmm. that it becomes relevant for nobody rather than being relevant for everybody. So you're, you're better off becoming, um, actually going for a smaller pond and becoming a big fish in a small pond rather than just trying to dilute your message too much. Mm, yes, absolutely. It's funny, I um, came across, I was doing some research for an upcoming presentation and came across yoyoshop.com.au. 
over the weekend, and I thought you can't get much more specific than that. That's really going niche. And I think that I thought that's really what was wonderful about the way that they'd actually built their site was that this is for yo-yo fanatics, it's for yo-yo enthusiasts uh, and people like me that are looking to use a yo-yo in a presentation. But it was so specific and it was so niche. I thought that's so tight in its delivery that that must do really well. It may be a part-time business for someone, I don't know, but I thought that's a really great way to actually, I mean, it's built into the business model itself, but also the the design of the page, the delivery was very much uh, targeted at the, the enthusiast and and what could be delivered for them. Yeah, and I think, Michael, I think if you go back, and I hadn't heard about that Yo-Yo Shop website, but I was going to have a, have a look at it. And I think that what you ended up with was exactly right. Like, it's designed for the Yo-Yo enthusiast. And so there are things that a Yo-Yo enthusiast would be interested in, which that website and that business can deliver. And there may be other people who like Yo-Yos or who used to have Yo-Yos as a kid who may not be that, that target market. So they'll come to that website and they think Yo-Yo Shop is perfect for me, but they might actually be turned away from it. And that's not a bad thing. Mm. It's better to be focused on here are the people that I love hanging out with, that I love working with, that I love pleasing and delighting, and let me tailor my website to them. It's actually a very difficult thing to do mindset-wise. But once you get the right mindset, it's very easy to do it because you go, okay, who's my ideal customer and you know, who are they? Like actually who's there? If I could pick one person who walked into my store or sent me an email, what would they be? Like what age are they? Mm. And you're not talking about an age range. You're saying this is a 25-year old merchant banker who likes yo-yos uh, and as a hobby right? and that's the person that I want to write my website copy for and if you do that then you will get more of those sort of people and you'll be very attractive to them and even if you exclude a whole bunch of others the, the benefits far outweigh the costs of losing those other people outside that market. Great, excellent, thank you. So what are some of the, the common mistakes then that uh, well, the other common mistakes that you see people make with their websites, and I think it's probably, well, it definitely is worthwhile uh, separating this bit into services and products. So what are the main mistakes you see people make in the service websites? Yeah, it's actually interesting you say that it's, uh, it's worth separating into services and products because my experience, Michael, is that Actually, the mistakes tend to be common uh, across both of them. Okay. So, if, like, let, let me take an example. Like, we say, like, if, if you said, what's the biggest problem with product websites? Is that it makes it, it makes the buying process too difficult. And there's been a lot of research, and I've been following this. I've been tracking this over the last decade and a half that I've been working, helping businesses in my consulting business, and consistently, more than 50%, actually a lot higher, like two thirds and 75% of people who go to buy something and put something into their shopping cart, they abandon the shopping cart before they complete the order process. So, I mean, that's bizarre. That's saying that they've made a decision to buy, so they've already got past all those trust factors that you talked about. They've actually decided this is the person I'm going to buy from, this is the website I'm going to buy from, they click add to cart, and then somewhere between that point and the time that they actually leave the website, before they put their credit card details in, they decide to say, no, I've decided not to do this. And, you know, you think about how that would work in the real world, Michael. There's people going shopping, filling up their shopping trolley, they turn up at the checkout, and then for some strange reason, they decide, oh, change my mind, I'm going to walk out. And that happens online more often than not. 
And that's, I mean, just, it is bizarre, but the reason is that, that websites make it difficult for, for people to buy. And this is what I'm saying, it's the same with service websites. It's difficult for them to take the action that you want them to take. I think when people go to Google and they search for something, then what they're really trying to say is, how do I do X rather than where can I buy X? So the, the people who, the, the websites who help them figure out how to do something, they, they're the ones that are going to be more successful. Almost everyone else in any industry is, has got an electronic brochure that talks about here's my products and here are my services. So they're talking about solutions. If you become the one standout person who talks about their problems mm. and says, look, here I understand what your top problem is or your top three problems, your top five problems, here's what's causing them, and hey, by the way, I can help you with the solution, or look, at least even if you're not going to engage my services or buy my product, at least you've gone away with a bit more information, that's what people are looking for. So they're, they're, they're looking for a library rather than a bookstore. So when they search for something in Google, you know, they they want to, they're they're browsing the library. And if you can, most people are setting themselves up as salespeople, which is great. I think that's really important because people aren't going to buy unless you sell. But don't try to sell them too soon. Give them information. Be an advisor. I think think that's a great, I think that's a a great message for all sales, actually. it's definitely something that I work with with clients uh, to do as well, which is help first, and the selling is a byproduct of helping. Um, all good salespeople are obsessive helpers. Yeah, and and that's what you, that's what we should be, Michael. We should be sitting on the same side of the table with them, with our, with our prospective client, with our website visitor, and saying, look, let's figure out together what the best solution for you is, rather than sitting across from them and pushing something at them and saying, look, this is, you need to buy this, and then try to convince them that they need to buy it. And you can do that sometimes when you're literally sitting in front of them. You can't do that when they're sitting at a website and it's just, they're just one click away from somebody else on the other side of the world. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's great. Thank you. Um, before we move on to a, another another question from a, another subscriber, um, I'll, I'll just quickly ask how we can convert more visitors to paying customers. Yeah, so that's really that's a really insightful question because most people will ask, how do I get more visitors to my website? But I actually think the better question is, of the visitors that I'm already getting to my website, how do I convert more of them into paying customers? So that's a really good question for the, the person who asked that. And I reckon that the, the answer to that comes down to the idea that people are asking in their mind four questions um, and you have to answer all four of them. Sometimes they'll answer it themselves, but if not, like what? Like, don't take the chance because if you don't answer all four, then they're probably not going to buy. And the four questions are, why this, why you, why now, and why me? So why this is what are the benefits of this for me? So that's a typical salesperson's, like, don't just tell them the features, tell them the benefits. Mm -hmm. Why you is why should I buy from you? What gives you the authority that means that that I should trust you? And it comes back to that trust question you asked earlier, Michael. Mm. Why now is what's the urgency for me to take action? So either because there's some sort of, like there's some sort of sale or there's some, you know, Christmas, Christmas deal or Valentine's Day deal, um, or we've got some scarcity. So I'm just running out of the first edition of my book. So I'm going to reprint it. So it could be some sort of scarcity like that, or it could be why now more than ever before. So what's changed in the world 
that means that this product or this service is is just imperative for you. You may not you may not have even realized how important it is, but it has. Like that that's why you should get it now. And the fourth thing is why me? And you actually used the word earlier, Michael, you said fit. So why is this the right fit for me? And again comes back to what we were talking about. The narrower your niche market, the easier it is to demonstrate the fit for that market. So if you can answer those four questions, why this, why you why now and why me in every sales letter that you write, you don't have to be the world's best copywriter. You, again, are positioning yourself as ahead of your competition. And that way you'll actually get more conversion, which is easier to do than getting more traffic to your website. Uh, great. Okay, that's great because that can be a real obsession, can't it, that people can spend a lot of time on SEO and, and getting traffic to the site, but then once they actually get to the site, when that our leads and our visitors get to the site, they're not compelled to buy and it's better to get less people who buy more than more people who don't buy. Exactly. And also the other the other point actually, Michael, you've just you've just alluded to that, is that for most people for most business owners, they don't want to become internet marketers. So you even mentioned SEO, search engine optimization. They actually don't want to learn how to do that. Most, most people, some do, some get really obsessed by it and they want to get their fingers dirty doing that. And that's fine. But for most people, that's not what they want to do. And it's difficult for them to do that. It really is. There is a barrier to entry. It's, it's a lower barrier to entry now, but it's still a barrier to entry and it's, it, probably doesn't energize and motivate them. They're not passionate about getting to the top of Google. They're they're passionate about the results of that, but they're not passionate about learning how to do that. On the other hand, when you talk about converting people who are already at your website and converting them to buy your products or services, you probably are passionate about your business and your products and your services and what it can do for them. So actually, if you're going to do do do-it-yourself internet marketing, Lead conversion is much easier than lead generation. So getting more sales, converting more people to customers is much easier for the average business owner than getting more traffic, which just means learning new, which which requires learning new skills. Excellent. Thank you. That's great. Uh, We now have another question from um, another subscriber, and this is from Annette Rays from Out of the Box. And Annette's asked, how do you find good web hosting? Yeah, okay. So the thing with web hosting is if I can talk about the reason, uh, like the, the decision you have to make before you, before you choose your web host. Yep. And it's really important that you have control of your own website. So you must have a, a, a way to be able to update your website yourself. Now, there are a number of ways of doing this. One is you could have software and the, 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 the software that's been around for a long time is uh, front page or Dreamweaver. So those two have been around for ages. And if you can use something like one of those two or Adobe Contribute, I think it's called now, Macromedia Contribute, I think it's owned by Adobe now. Mm-hmm. So if you can update your site yourself using one of those tools, then you choose a particular kind of host. There's, uh, and I'll tell you which ones to choose, but I'll, I'll come back to that. The second group are uh, where the software is built into the website system. So, Michael, you've got that on your website where you log into your web website and you can make changes yourself. And that's using a thing called a content management system or a CMS. You've got to have, in my opinion, you've got to have one or the other. I, I think we've, we're past the we're past the age where it's sufficient to say to your to send something off to a web designer or your web developer or your webmaster and say, look, can you make this change for me? Um, it's just not it's just not fast enough that mm. people are expecting that. Pe- I mean, people 
there's 700 million people who update their own Facebook page themselves instantly. So they just won't tolerate websites that are out of date, even if they're just a couple of days out of date. They say you just can't promote a special event and not have your website up to date to reflect what's what that event's about. So you need to be able to update your website yourself. Now, if you've got the software on your PC or your Mac to do it using Contribute or Dreamweaver or Front Page, then you can use a basic web host. So a basic web host is one that just provides disk space on the internet. That's basically all they do. Um, and there are tons of them around. There are Hundreds, literally hundreds of good web hosts around. So rather than give you a criteria on how to pick one, Annette and everyone else, I think the simplest thing is for me to just tell you the, the one that, the one that we use and we've been using them for a while. So we we know that they've been reliable is uh, one called ICD host. So uh, I for Ivan, C for Charlie, D for David, icdhost.com. I think it's about $5 a month and that gives you the basic web hosting the web hosting service, but you need to be able to know how to upload your website and make changes to it. The, the second group, as I said, the ones with the content management system, you don't need any special software, and but they'll be slightly more expensive because you're paying for the content management system as well. And I think the best one of those that I've come across is a site called Squarespace. So Square space squarespace.com it's roughly for the sort of business typical business website it'll be roughly twenty dollars a month and that gives you you build your website you can do all the design you can get a design to do it for you if you want or do it yourself Mm. and it gives you full control of your website so you've got to have one of those two solutions and depending on which which of those two camps you fall into then you either go with the very cheap web host like icd host or you go with the the content management system which is squarespace.com excellent Thank you. That's I guess that's a bit of a long answer to a to a short question, but I I think that the principle is you need to be able to update your website yourself. I I absolutely second that. I I find that a huge bonus to be able to to do that. I I, I spent uh, some time doing that over over the last day, and it was I actually wanted a, a dedicated web page for a special offer for um for quite a, a large. Uh, organization and I, I wanted to have an, an offer that was going out in a magazine that could absolutely be especially for uh, that organization and th- the chance the, the opportunity to be able to actually make that really special uh, a page for them and to do it within a couple of hours was great yeah it's just it's just it's not an option anymore mm. it is one of those essential features and and I think uh, exactly. I mean, as you're saying, it, it, the world is a lot faster now. Business is a lot faster. It's it's faster and more specific, to quote Seth Godin. But it's uh, but it's definitely a lot faster, and uh, we we want instant access, and we also uh, need to be able to uh, to have a, a consistent framework, but to be able to have quicker response time. Exactly. Exactly right. Okay. So. I, that, that's all excellent, Gihan. We, we've come to uh, the the end of our time, and I really do appreciate the time and the thought, and, and also the the, um, the excellent content that you've given us. I'm just going to ask one final question before we go, and if you could just give a brief overview of the content that Google searches for now. Uh, and from my understanding that it's actually looking, Google's actually changed the way that it, it, it ranks 
websites now. If you could just give us a brief overview of that, please. Sure. Look, I think the, the main thing to think about, to remember about Google, is that Google's not in the business of putting your website at the top of the listings. That's not Google's aim. Google's aim is to get more and more people using Google so that they can sell advertising space, which appears on the right-hand side and along the top of the Google search results. So if you think about that as Google's aim, so Google wants to sell advertising. They sell more advertising when more people use Google. More people use Google when the searches that they do give more relevant results. So Google's all about creating more relevant results. So that's the biggest thing to keep in mind. So Google doesn't care about your website. Google cares about the people who are searching who will then click on the ads, and that's how Google gets paid. So what that means is to think about what you can do to make your website more relevant for the people searching for the keywords that you want to be found on. And the, the better you can do that, then the more likely Google will, will push you up the rankings. So what Google's looking for, if you think about service websites, generally Google is looking for really high-quality content. So they're looking for articles, they're looking for information, they're looking for insights, they're looking for unique material that they can't find anywhere else. And Google actually made recently, they disclosed or, or they published a list of 23 guidelines for things that you should think about your website that will make it more attractive to Google. And they generally don't do that because they're worried about people who will try and manipulate the system. But for the first time, they, they did this and they, they published a fairly comprehensive list. And those are the sort of things that they had on there. They said things like, would this be the sort of web page that you might recommend to a friend? Would be this the sort of web page that somebody might publish in a print magazine or a book? Would this be the sort of content that is unique on the on the web and can't be found elsewhere? So those are the sort of things they're looking for. They're not looking for how often does your keyword appear in the page or do you have the right meta tags or, or things like that. Some of those things still matter, and if you have sloppily written material or you've got sloppily designed web pages, then Google will penalize you, but they won't do that deliberately. It'll just, it's just that Google can't read what's on there. Uh, so... Particularly for services, that's what they're looking for. Similarly for products, if the, the, uh, you know what I said earlier, that people are looking for a library rather than a bookshop, yep. well, sometimes they are, they, are, they are actually looking for the bookshop. They're actually looking to buy something. And you can tell by the sort of words that people search for, whether they're actually looking for a product. Like if you put in a, a, a specific product model name, there's a very good chance that somebody's, uh, somebody searching for that is looking to buy that. So then Google's looking for information about their product. So then they are looking for a, a sales letter or a, a page that clicks through to a shopping cart. So what Google's saying to you is put yourself in the shoes of your customer and think about what they're searching for and then design your website so it's more relevant for them and then we'll push you up to the top because that means more people are, more, are likely to use it and therefore we're going to be able to sell more advertising. So there's no simple technical answer for what Google's looking for. It's more their philosophy is, look, if you help us um, give more relevant results to our searches, we'll, we'll give you a push up. Which in the end actually brings us very nicely full circle to what we uh, spoke about right at the beginning of the show, which is, it's what the customer's looking for too. The customer's looking for good content, or the visitor's looking for good content, and Google wants to help that visitor find good content. So it's in your interests to give them the best content that you possibly can in order not only to get people to the site, but also to help your rankings increase and 
also give you the, the best opportunity to get a sale. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people, uh, like recently, uh, from the time that we're doing this recording, Michael, a lot of people, a lot of webmasters and Google Google experts got very upset about the changes that Google made recently because they, they suddenly their websites dropped in value and dropped in the rankings. And it's mainly because they were... I wouldn't say necessarily manipulating and tr- manipulating Google, but they were doing things that Google that weren't helping Google serve their cust- serve their searches, which meant that Google just decided, well, you know, this if if we put these pages at the top, then people are searching, they click the back button straight away, and they may not, they may not come back to Google, they might go to Bing instead, and Google's worried about Bing gaining market share, so Google's very concerned about making sure that they provide the most relevant searches, the most relevant search results, and that's how you get to the top, by being relevant. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Gihan, this has been a really informative session. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure that the listeners have learned a lot as well. Gihan, thank you so much. It's been an excellent session and, and a great way for us to start Brandstand Radio. In fact, Michael did such a good job with his own branding that he's now working full-time as Event Development Manager for Voyagers Indigenous Tourism Australia. And if you'd like to find out more about what they do, visit voyagers.com.au. Now, in my book, Fast, Flat and Free, I talked about the importance of your website and also how it fits into your overall marketing strategy and what you need to do on your website to convert your site visitors into buyers. I'm going to share that with you here. It's an extract from the book. In fact, this is one track from the audiobook version of Fast, Flat and Free. So if you want to get the entire book, you can get it in print, ebook, or audio form. In April 2010, I travelled from my home in Perth to the beautiful Gold Coast on the other side of Australia. I was conducting a workshop and attending a conference. And after arriving at my hotel and settling in, I decided to go for a bit of a run along the beach. By coincidence, as I set out on my run, I almost literally bumped into Sue and Andrew O'Brien, who are clients of mine who were also attending my workshop and going to the same conference. And although we'd been working together for six months, this is the first time I'd met them because we lived on opposite sides of the country. They were also out in a run and they invited me to join them, which I did, but with some wariness because they're marathon runners. But I'm sure they slowed down their pace considerably so I could keep up and we spent the next hour running and talking. In effect, we held a business meeting and consulting session while running on the beach in Surface Paradise and I was surprised at how easily the conversation flowed. And for me, that was the first and to date the only time I'd conducted a business meeting while running. But for Sue and Andrew, this is normal in their business, which is called Partner Running, which you can find at partnerrunning.com, which teaches people the benefits and the practices of running and other exercising together. And as they point out in their book, Couple on the Run, conversations while exercising with a partner do work differently because of the changed mindset. Even if you're talking about exactly the same topics you've discussed in a boardroom, a pub, or around a family dining table, you come to them with a different frame of mind. And here's the point. The same thing applies to the way that internet users interact with your online properties, and in particular with your website. You don't know their frame of mind when they're visiting your website, and that frame of mind makes a difference, a big difference, to the way that they perceive you, your offerings, and your marketing. You can do everything else right in the way you present yourself, but if they're in the wrong frame of mind, they just won't take action. 
So in this section, we're going to look at your website and how well it persuades your site visitors to take action. So let's start with the overall structure of your website. There's a common structure that underlies every successful website. It consists of four layers. Think of your website as being like an onion. The first layer, the innermost layer, is your online shop, where people take the ultimate action you'd like them to take, to buy a product, order something, register for an event, even just pick up the phone and call you. The second layer of the onion is to write a sales letter, a brochure or a flyer to promote each of the products and services you offer. The next layer of the onion is the free high value content you create to make your website attractive and useful. This can be things like articles and video clips, photographs, audio clips, surveys and slideshows. The point is that you're giving value, not just promoting your products and services. So let's look at those three layers. You have high quality content that leads people to compelling sales letters, which in turn leads them to your shop. The only thing missing is the outermost layer of that onion, which is the starting point for most of your visitors, and that's the home page. So these are the four layers of every successful website. I've already talked about how to create quality content in an earlier section, and in the next section we'll talk about the shop. So now let's talk about the home page, and after that we'll look at the sales letters in more detail. But first, your home page. This is probably the page that most visitors will see first, so it is important. Website owners agonize over their homepage, but I'll give you one simple rule that will make it easy. In brief, your homepage has one purpose and one purpose alone, to get your site visitor to click through to the next page. That's it. It's not about fancy graphics or animation or a clever headline or even compelling sales copy. Its purpose is simply to get people off the homepage and into another page of the site. And it does this through this simple four-step process. Identify your ideal site visitors, understand their situation, describe your solution, and link them to it. Let me give an example. This is, say, for a property investment company. Property investors. Are you looking for a cash flow positive property in a major city? With our innovative property buying service, you work closely with one of our consultants to find high-yield properties throughout Australia. Find out more and that find out more is a link. If you look through that, we've got identifying the ideal visitor, understanding their situation, describing your solution, and then linking them through to it. If you're targeting more than one kind of site visitor, you repeat this process for each of them on your homepage. And the key to this is that you're designing your homepage to meet your site visitors' needs, not to showcase your business and tell people how great you are. Now let's look at setting buying frames. This is about your sales letters, which entice your site visitors to take action. Internet users today are smarter, savvier, and more sophisticated than ever before. So when you sell to them, you need to sell with respect. Rather than trying to manipulate them to buy, create buying frames that help them to buy. Think of this as setting their frame of mind before you present your product or service. In other words, it's not about the product itself, it's what you do to prepare them for the product. You see, everybody visiting your site is asking these four questions. Why me? Or why is this the right fit for me? Why this, or what are the benefits of your offering? Why you, what authority do you have for me to believe you? And why now, what is the urgency for me to take action? You must answer all four questions in your marketing. If you miss any of them, it gives your site visitors an excuse to stop them from taking action. So I'm going to give you here a simple template for a sales letter. This is not as comprehensive as something a copywriter would craft for you, but it's good enough to promote most of your products and services. Broadly, it goes like this. Start with the name and subtitle. So you start with your product name as a page name, and if it's a bit of an obscure name, add a descriptive subtitle. Summary. 
write a one-paragraph summary of the product. This is the quick grab for the busy person who wants a snapshot before deciding to keep reading. Market, or why me, list the people and the specific situations they're in when they require this product or service. For example, you need a speaker to lift the energy at your conference. You have your first child and now need a family care. You feel nervous when asked to make a presentation. Then benefits, or why this. So list the results that they will achieve from using your product or service. For example, your entire team will perform at the level of your stars. You'll have a happier and more productive team. You'll save an hour each day. Then features, which is also why this. So the more sophisticated buyers might already be sold on the benefits and now they're just looking for the features in order to make a decision. Next is proof. Include testimonials, case studies, samples, research and other evidence to back up your claims. Next is your credentials or why you. Describe your expertise and experience as it relates to this product or service. Next is the offer or why now. Give them a reason to take action now. And finally, next steps. End with a clear call to action. Tell them exactly what you'd like them to do next. Add the product to their shopping cart, pick up the phone and make an order, register for an event, or whatever you want them to do. So that's the template in brief. Now let's look at the principles and the techniques you can use for each of the four framing questions. Why me? Why this? Why you? And why now? Let's start with why me. So when somebody visits your website, they first want to be sure that it's right for them. Otherwise, they'll leave immediately. So let's look at four techniques, identity, external factors, social proof, and commitment and consistency. Identity says that we act in ways that are consistent with our identity. So link your product to some part of your reader's identity, and they're more likely to buy and use it. Ask yourself, why would this website visitor be proud to own my product? Here are some examples. Families who value safety drive Volvos. Seniors who don't want their children to pay for an expensive funeral buy their funeral package in advance. If you care about the environment, you'll vote green. Next is external factors. You probably won't succeed if you persist in telling your site visitors they're wrong or by making them feel bad. Don't blame them for their past. Instead, show them that they no longer need to be bound by it. Here's some examples of this in your marketing. Our parents, no matter how much they cared about us, probably didn't teach us about wealth and financial independence. We're bombarded by so much advertising and negative messages, it's no surprise we acted this way until now. It's like opening a safe. If you can't open it, it's not because you're weak or stupid, it's because you just don't have the combination. Next is social proof. People don't make decisions in isolation. They rely on the behavior of others, in other words, social proof, to guide them in their actions. And visiting a website is a pretty lonely experience. Your site visitor is probably sitting alone at a computer, wondering whether to continue on your website or not, and has to make the decision alone. So it's up to you to provide the social proof that guides them. And you can do this on your website with things like case studies, written testimonials, and even video testimonials. You're looking for examples to show your site visitors that people just like them have gained benefits from your products and services. Next is commitment and consistency. If you can get somebody to agree to something small first, they're more likely to agree to something bigger later. On your website, engage the visitor in some action as soon as possible. Offering them a free article, an ebook, a special report, or a mini course is a good start. Even better, engage them in something interactive, like a survey or a game or a self-assessment questionnaire. You can also use a puppy dog sale to sell your product. In other words, you give it away as a free trial first. Some people will return it, but many more will keep it and happily allow you to charge them for it. Another technique is to break up a large product into smaller parts and to sell them individually as parts of a collection. 
So that's why me. Next is why this or the benefits. You and your site visitor have different views or different perspectives of your product. It's your business so you know how your products and services work and what they can do for your customers. They don't, so you need to educate them. So let's look at six framing tools to help you explain the benefits. Because, contrast, authority, simplicity, proof and specificity. So first, because. Don't assume your site visitors will know the reasons for buying from you. Tell them. This is the standard sales technique of describing the benefits, not just the features of your offerings. Features are what this does. Benefits are what that means for you. You should include both features and benefits. And if you've only got features to convert them to benefits, list each feature, add the phrase so that or which means that, and then finish the sentence. For example, if you're talking about the features of your car, you could say, this car has cruise control so that you don't get a speeding fine. This car has radio controls on the steering wheel, which means that you're not distracted while driving. Next is contrast. When people are evaluating something, they often contrast it with something else and base their value on that comparison. So on your website, look for ways to favorably contrast your product or service with something else to demonstrate its value. For example, that's less than the cost of a cup of coffee each day. For just $25 more, you also get a high quality binder for your notes. Next, authority. When designing your sales letters, look for well-known and well-respected people who support your view and refer to them in your sales letter. Also use and quote facts, research and data from authoritative sources. For example, Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich says whatever he says, or a study in Psychology Today found that, and so on. Include reviews of your products or product category from newspapers, magazines, critics or other reputable sources and quote them on your website. Next is simplicity. We live in a complicated world, so if you can make it simpler for your customers, they're more likely to buy. So emphasize how your product or service will make their life easier and simpler. You can also use this principle to simplify your website. Use a common navigation scheme and menus throughout the site. Use meaningful menu item names. Provide full contact information on every page. Make it easy for your site visitors to get to the home page from anywhere else. And break up your text into chunks using subheadings and short paragraphs and bullet lists. Next is proof. Today's website visitors will no longer believe you just because you say something. They expect you to prove it. So back it up with research results, facts, statistics, testimonials, press clippings and case studies. The more evidence you can provide to reduce or remove their doubts, the more likely they are to take action. And finally, in this area of why this is specificity. Be specific in your marketing. When you're more specific, you sound more credible and more authoritative. You can use this in your sales letters in a number of ways. For example, when selling a bundle of products, describe each item in the bundle individually. You could also single out specific items as being more useful than others. For example, say, for most of our clients, the most useful part of the package is a two-hour consulting session with one of our coaches. You can also be very specific with the numbers. For example, the total package is worth $2,037. Now let's move on to why you or your authority. Regardless of the benefits of your products, your site visitors will be influenced by their perception of you and your business. So let's look at four things to build trust with your website visitors. Liking, authority, reciprocity and first impressions. Liking. People are influenced by people they like. The best way to get your website visitors to like you is to show them you understand them. 
Join their mailing lists, take part in the discussion forums, pay to attend their webinars and virtual conferences, join in their chat rooms and follow them on Twitter. You'll then be able to provide a far better level of service when they visit your website. For example, you can organise a site so it addresses their most important problems first. You can write in their language using their jargon. You can create products in the format that suits them best. Your Frequently Asked Questions page can answer the real questions that are most frequently asked. You know their objections so you can raise them yourself and then address them effectively. Authority. I've already talked about authority when talking about external authorities to endorse your message and the same principle applies to you as the authority. In fact, this is even more important to your site visitors because they won't buy from you if they don't trust you. So when describing your authority, do it with these three E's. Expertise. Clearly explain your relevant and proven expertise. Experience. Describe your experience, such as years of operation or hours of work helping customers or number of customers or whatever else matters to them. And education. If you've got relevant formal credentials or qualifications, state them. Next is reciprocity. The rule of reciprocity says that when you do somebody a favour, they feel an obligation to return the favour. And one very effective technique is to give away something on your website. A free ebook, a useful spreadsheet, a gift voucher, a free entry in a competition, a self-assessment quiz, a free sample, a training course, any number of similar things. Don't even ask for an email address, just make it an instant gift and you increase the feeling of reciprocity. And then first impressions. Does your site visitor have any unhelpful preconceived notions about you, your business or your industry? If so, you need to overcome them as soon as possible. So if there is an obvious glaring question that most people will ask, don't pretend it doesn't exist. If your customers think that most financial planners are crooks, most accountants can't see beyond the numbers, most academics don't know anything about the real world, or most technology is difficult to use, and you're in one of those categories, that stereotype is going to influence their behavior unless you do something about it. So do something to change that impression. Now let's look at the fourth of the framing questions, which is why now, or what is the urgency for them to take action? Even if you address all the other questions, if there's no urgent need to make a decision, they might as well procrastinate. So let's look at three principles you can use to create urgency. Scarcity, environment, and risk reversal. The scarcity principle says that we place a higher value on something when it's in limited supply. So if your product or service does have a limited supply, state this on your website. This is easy to apply to some things like physical products where you can say a limited number in stock, or events where you can say limited seats, or time for money services where you can say a limited number of clients per week. For other products, you can create scarcity by imposing your own limits, such as an early bird cutoff date for bookings, or a limited market testing period, or specials this week, and things like that. Next is environment. Explain why now, more than ever, your product or service is important and relevant for your market. It's not about scarcity, it's about explaining how their circumstances have changed, maybe without them even realizing it. For example, an investment advisor could say, there's never been a better time to invest in property, based on the strength of the property market. An environmental activist could say, we have only 18 months before the effects of climate change become irreversible. An accountant could say, the new tax laws could cost you thousands of dollars. A restaurant owner could say, the economy is booming, come in and celebrate with your friends. And finally, risk reversal. When somebody pays you, the transaction's complete. The money won't break down, suddenly stop working or disappear. But the customer takes all the risk. What if the product isn't what they expected? What if it breaks down? What if it doesn't deliver everything that was promised? The principle of risk reversal says that you, the supplier, should take all the risk. 
The most common form of risk reversal is a money-back guarantee. The customer still takes a small risk because they're not 100% sure you'll honor the guarantee, but provided you can convince them of that, they enter the transaction entirely risk-free. Most business owners make their guarantees too weak because they worry about scammers taking advantage of them. Even if this happens, and it is rare, it's usually more than offset by the extra sales you get because of your guarantee. So make longer guarantees and stronger guarantees. Facebook, Google, and Apple have changed the way the world works. Get fast, flat, and free from fastflatandfree.com and learn how to make the internet work for you. If you already have a website and it's doing okay for you, don't throw it away and start again. Lots of people are tempted to redo their website every few years, but it's not always necessary. There are some things you can do just to fine-tune it to make it work better. And I was recently interviewed by Winston Marsh for his business marketing series on this topic. So let's join that conversation now. Dehan Pereira, lots of people's websites are looking a little tired, in need of some improvement. So have you got some tips on how we could go about improving our websites? Yeah, absolutely, Mina. I think there's some websites that need to be taken out the back and shot, but there are others that just need a little bit of a little bit of work here and there, just some tweaking. And I think that you do some really simple things now. A lot of people have control of their own website now. So let's talk about some things that they can do without having to pay a lot of money to a graphic designer to redo them. All right, let's go ahead. What's the first step? The first thing is the homepage, because that's, that's a page that most people will come to first. And the big thing with the homepage is that, think about, think about your homepage this way. My biggest purpose of the homepage is to get them to click to another page, to get them off the homepage as quickly as possible. And what that means is the homepage has to tell them that they're the right person, that you've got something of benefit to them, and then what should they click through to next? So have a look at your homepage, and if it's not doing that, change the wording on it so that you see. Okay, update the homepage. Number two. Number two is with your service pages or your product pages. Make sure that everyone ends with a call to action. And I know we know you talk about this all the time, after the sale, in other words. So make sure that whatever you've got, don't just leave them hanging and hope that they're going to go and find your phone number or your email address or contact form. End every promotional page with an actual call to action. Tell them what you want them to do. Pick up the phone, send us an email, fill in this form, take out your credit card and make an order. And can I suggest that we make it easy for them to do that? Sometimes I'm hunting everywhere to find the phone number to call them. You know, it's only on one page. Or even then, the only contact us as they've got is the electronic form. And if we want them to do something, we've got to make it easy, don't we? That's crazy, isn't it? Because you think that the whole point of your website is to get people to pick up the phone and call you or to make actual human contact with you. And some websites just make it so hard to do that. I completely agree with you, you know. Now, number three. Uh, the next thing, the next two are related to your client list and your testimonials, which is about the credibility that you offer. So it's past customers and their testimonials. Just make sure that the list is, just review the list. There may be some old customers, some old clients that you no longer work in that industry or they're no longer relevant to you. It's not because they're bad or the testimonials are bad. It's just that they are no longer relevant to the sort of work that you want to do. So make sure that your list of clients and customers is relevant to the sort of work that you that you're currently doing and that you want for future clients as well. So cull the list and put in some of the more recent clients or the more desirable clients as well. Exactly, exactly. It's not, a, it's not about the client, it's about your business and where, where it is now and where you want it to go. Okay, now you said the next one, which is number four, is testimonials. So tell me about them. Exactly. And so obviously the same thing applies to testimonials, but I've, I've seen it 
very common mistakes with testimonials on the website, you know, that the testimonials are all stuck together on a testimonials page. There's a button in the menu that says testimonials. That's great, but also you should scatter your testimonials through the site. So if you're selling a blue widget on your website, then on that page that's promoting the blue widget, there should be a testimonial from somebody who said, this is the best blue widget I've ever bought and it helps add 10% to our productivity or it's, it's now stopped us from, uh, it's reduced the downtime, whatever. The testimony is okay to be on the testimonials page, but also have it scattered through the site because that's what people are reading. Don't force them to click a testimonials button to find out what people are saying about your products and services. Any thought on whether the testimonial should be audio, video, or just plain... Uh copy? Uh, all of the above. All of the above. So uh, if you can get video testimonials, that adds a bit of credibility because people can actually see the person. But I, I think if you've only got text testimonials, that's great. There's no problem at all with that. Okay. Move on to number five. What's that one? Number five is about the About Us page or the About Me page if it's just one business owner. So if you've got biographies of you and your team, just make sure that everything on the biography is relevant. So they don't need to know that you won a swimming competition in grade five unless you're teaching them swimming lessons or unless that's something that's relevant to to the business that you're in. So I've seen a lot of biographies that just go on and on and on and a lot of this stuff isn't relevant and people don't read it, uh, so they miss the relevant stuff. And sometimes things in the biography would turn people off. And there's nothing wrong with putting a little bit of quirky stuff in there, but just don't make it all quirky stuff or, or put it in there because you've thought about it, not just because you've just stuffed your whole life history in there. Yes, I find that bios are perhaps the worst things lots of people do because they're talking about themselves and they don't do that very well or they talk about things of no relevance whatsoever. Yeah, and if you want to write, if you want some guidelines for writing a bio, I've got the four E's, Winston, so it's your expertise, your experience, your education, and your endorsements. So what skills do you have? How long have you been doing it? Um, what's the type of education? So what qualifications do you have? And then endorsements, what does people say about you? And if you use just those four things as a subheading, you can write a pretty good bio. Yeah, indeed. All right, number six. The next one is a demonstration. So this is about giving people some value in whether it might be, if you're a professional speaker, it might be a short demo video of yourself. But equally, it applies to other businesses. If you're doing, if you're selling a product and it's a product that people use, then do video demonstrations of people using the product. So it's like a little training video. So do that because it actually gives people, it shows people the product in action. And it gives people some actual value to take away, even if they never buy the product. At least they can go to the website to watch the video. It also means that when you meet somebody, maybe in your retail store, or they want to know how to use it, you can say, look on the website, there's this, uh, there's this YouTube video. Or somebody rings up and says, I want to use your blue widget, but I'm not quite sure whether it's going to work for me. You say, look, are you online now? Just go to the website and click on this video section, and here's a little video of it in action. It just makes it easy for people to, to make use of you and your products and services. And makes you the expert, and people like to buy from experts, don't they? Absolutely. Number seven. Number seven is about an email newsletter. So I'm assuming you've got one. So I'm assuming that you do have an email newsletter, because I think that every business should have one and should be collecting email addresses and putting them on the newsletter with permission. But I think on the website, make sure that you... Your subscription page is more than just asking them for the name and email address. So you've got to actually sell people on the idea of joining your mailing list now. It used to be really easy. We now think you and I remember the days when you saw anyone asking for an email address and you just eagerly put yours in because 
that you get some emails, but now people are deliberately not doing that because they're getting uh, flooded with email. So you've actually got to do a bit more work. So things like make sure that you have a link to your privacy policy, tell them that they can unsubscribe at any time, add a couple of testimonials from people who love your newsletter, maybe even include a sample newsletter on the subscription page. All you're trying to do is get people to join the list, and you've got to put a bit of work into that. Yep, that's a great point. Now, number eight. Uh, number eight is about blogging. And uh, again, I'm assuming you've got a blog, and we've talked a lot in business marketing about blogging. I and a whole bunch of other people, so I'm assuming you've got a blog. But have you got your blog linked to Twitter so that every blog post that you publish automatically goes out to your Twitter account as well. It's very easy to do, and there's a service called Twitter Feed. So Twitter, F-E-E-D, twitterfeed.com. It's a free service. It takes 10 minutes to set up. You give it your blog address. You give it access to your Twitter account. And then every time you post your blog, it automatically posts a tweet as well. And it just means another easy way to, to get onto social media without you having to log in there and, and do it manually or spend hours on Twitter and Facebook all the time. Oh, and it links to Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So you can automatically have all your blog posts going out to Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And that's more than 90% of businesses are doing. Sensational. What a great thought. Number nine. Number nine is a special report. So if you, I think you should write some sort of short report, like the seven biggest mistakes that you do when training your dog, or the seven fatal mistakes of internet marketing, whatever your topic is, you should write something like that. Just make sure that in that report, which people can download from your website, you make it very clear that they've got permission to pass it on to other people so that they can send it to their friends and neighbors. Uh, they can send it in their newsletter. They can put it on their website and provide a link to it. And it just means that it gives you more places where you can be found. And some people are going to pass it on anyway without permission, but if you give them explicit permission, it A, reminds them to do it, and B, it just means that the, the people who are doing the right thing will, will only pass it on because we'll know that they've got permission to pass it on. Wow, yeah, that's dead right. That's very handy. And uh, people will pass it on if they get interesting information of value to them, won't they? Yeah, exactly. And that's the key. The, the report should be of value with a tiny bit of promotion. And I like that 80-20 rule. We know 80% value and at most 20% promotion. Indeed. So number 10, I imagine, is a wrap-up for all of these points, is it? The last one's just a general comment that we've talked about a lot of things and it can sound a bit overwhelming, and I reckon what you should do is just make small changes a few at a time. So just go to your website, maybe set aside 15 minutes a week. Because I'm going to just look at my website and make a couple of small tweaks to it. So it may be only doing adding a couple of testimonials to a product or service page. It may be just going through a class list and reordering them or just removing a couple of clients or adding a few new ones. And if you just set aside the time, let's say it's 15 minutes every week, you just do that every week consistently and you start a timer, you end after 15 minutes and that's it. But your website keeps improving. And by the end of the year, you'll have done 15 minutes of work for 50 weeks, which is a huge amount of work when you think about the, the effect it will have and the impact it will have on improving your website. That's the way to do it. And, of course, if, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So dedicating 15 minutes a week and making it happen will ensure that your website does what it's meant to do, Gihan. Yep, exactly. Exactly right. Gihan, thank you. My pleasure, we know. In fact, I'm a regular contributor to Winston's program and is full of marketing wisdom for businesses of all sizes. If you'd like to know more about it, check out his website at winstonmarsh.com.au. I guarantee you'll love it. 
So that's it for Expert Gold Radio this month. I hope you enjoyed the show and found something that you can take away and use in your personal and your professional life. If you'd like to engage with me in other ways, here are some other things that you can do. You can engage me as a speaker for your next conference and you can find out more at gihanspeaks.com. You can subscribe to my email newsletter, which is also called Expert Gold, at gihanperera.com. And while you're there, read and subscribe to my blog as well. And also sign up to my free webinar series. I run two webinars a month, and they'll help you with your personal and professional life, especially in how the Internet has changed the way that the world works. You can also go to my video channel at gihanperera.tv and watch my regular educational videos. Or you can join my membership site, the eGurus community, at eGurus.info. I'll be back next month with more great content. Have a great month and bye for now. You've been listening to Expert Gold Radio. If you'd like to subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit expertgoldradio.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.